Hi everyone, and welcome to the Empowering Dietitians podcast, where each week I dive into a specific topic to help you feel more confident and connected to your work as a dietitian. This week, I'm joined by Melissa Landry, a Boston-based nutrition therapist and intuitive eating coach who offers programs supporting food freedom for women in bigger bodies. Melissa manages the online Instagram community at no.more.guilt and co-hosts the podcast, Break the Diet Cycle, which inspire women across the country to be the first in their family to stop on-again, off-again weight loss dieting and body image concerns from passing through the generations, just like she is. In this episode, you'll learn more about the personal story behind her business, as well as incredible insights and compassionate suggestions for straight-sized dietitians who are feeling a little lost, a little overwhelmed, and a little paralyzed when it comes to supporting the non-diet journeys of clients whose lived experiences are very different from theirs. I will also add that the audio gets a little bit funky at times, so if it sounds here or there like we're talking over each other, I can assure you, we weren't. (laughs) Melissa is an absolute joy to speak with, and I know you're going to love this episode. So without further ado, let's bring in Melissa. All right, welcome, Melissa. Thanks, Jess. I'm so excited to be here. I am so excited to have you on my podcast. I have absolutely loved watching you grow your Instagram and (laughs) your program and everything. So I can't wait to have you share a little bit about what you do and help some of our listeners along the way. Thank you, Jess. I appreciate that. Excellent. So um, for anyone who is unfamiliar with your page, your work, your philosophy, Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So my name is Melissa Landry, and I run the page no.more.guilt on Instagram. And this platform is a space for me to explore um, some concepts of food freedom as they apply to women in bigger bodies. Now, we'll dive into this today, Jess. I am not in a bigger body. I am a straight-sized woman, and I chose to niche in this area because of my experience growing up with my mom, who is in a bigger body, and growing up, seeing her go through a lot of the experiences, I saw women in straight-sized bodies describing on Instagram, getting a ton of support for through the framework of intuitive eating, and noticing there wasn't a lot of explicit support for women in bigger bodies to do the very same thing. And so when I learned about this framework and I started, you know, realigning my practice and shifting how I, how I do things in my work, this is exactly where I wanted to be. Um, And we can talk a little bit about what that process was like, what some of the fears were like, but you know, for me now doing this, I can't tell you how rewarding it is, how much I learn and am humbled (laughs) every day by hearing so many different stories of women that are different from me and have helped me to become a better provider. I think that's so beautiful. And I've loved following along in your story and knowing the personal side of it. And I I think that our listeners or my listeners would really like to know kind of the things that you grappled with as you made that transition and decided to start focusing on supporting women in bigger bodies, because a lot of the dietitians on my page will come to me and just feel so nervous mm-hmm. about being an ally and, and making a mistake or saying the wrong thing. And, 
and wanting to be supportive, but not really knowing how. Yeah. And just remembering a, a story here where I, you know, was deciding how to niche down in my practice and really kind of go all in with Instagram as my main marketing space and my visibility space. And I was talking to my sister and I said, you know, I'm thinking about really niching down on intuitive eating and, and really making it clear to support women like mom. And she goes, good luck. You know, she just <laughs> was like, okay, like, good luck with that yeah. one. And it kind of, yeah. it kind of hit me, you know, that twinge when you're like, uh oh, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. this, I'm compelled yep. toward this. I'm drawn toward this. I think this is the right thing to do. Not just from like this, you know, moralistic, like high ground from the evidence and from the data, you know, my, my science brain is, is being activated as we look at all the Hayes research coming out. And I was hurt by that. You know, I felt a little scared and a little sad. Um, and so, you know, that was, that was kind of the, <laughs> the stepping block <laughs> when I told my sister. And so I of said, course. I said, why, you know, what, what makes you say that? And she said, you know, every time I go to the doctor's office, here's what I hear, lose weight, your BMI is elevated. How are you going to get people to, to hear this message when every day we're hearing you know, from doctors, not just from an aesthetic perspective, from magazines, you know, this is coming from an establishment that we respect, that we trust, that is is really in charge of our care. And so I actually appreciated that when she said that, because I realized if I don't, I have to address that, right? I can't waltz in the room with my experience where I am in the quote, normal BMI range. I don't have that when I go to the doctor. My food freedom is not questioned. I get to I get to do this in a way where I don't have to feel that shame or fear at a doctor's office. Well, everybody ready yeah. to talk about that. So it really inspired me to start listening better, um, to acknowledge my thin privilege, and then use that as a lever with clients to say, hey, how does that strike you? What's this been like for you? Because here's what it was like for me, and I don't think that's fair. Yes, I think that's that's one of the most important things when it comes to navigating the space is that we have to take off our expert hats and hand it over to our clients Mm -hmm. and let them take ownership back of their bodies and their care and Mm -hmm. kind of teach them that they do know what's best for them and we've just taught them to mistrust it for Mm -hmm. so long yeah yeah and I know you know I I heard a lot in the beginning um you know that's easy for you to say you're thin Mm -hmm. And when I was first starting in this space, I, I kind of resented that because it's not like I didn't struggle with body image, I thought. And um, I knew in my heart of hearts that, you know, my body size didn't make me worthy of being an intuitive eater and all of this. So I, I mm-hmm. almost felt uncomfortable when people would call out the fact that I was living in a thin body, I didn't have experience living in a big, bigger body. And so therefore, I don't really have a right to say it. Yeah. And I had to learn um, how to navigate that and how to acknowledge that, yeah, you're right. It is easy for me to say that. Right. Just because you, you didn't claim the status doesn't mean you don't have it. And I think that's a really important distinguish, distinguish, uh, distinguish, can I say the word? Yes. <laughs> distinction. <laughs> it's the end of our work day here. Um, yeah, it's a really important distinction, right? That just because you maybe have challenged some of those beliefs within yourself and have created a healthy relationship with food and 
you know, see, you know, you have equality as a value and all of these wonderful, beautiful things, you have a stimulus factor when you walk through the world. One a, a therapist I worked with um, in, a, in a former job once said that to me and she said, Melissa, you got to understand your stimulus factor. When you walk in with a client, they are telling a story and making assumptions about you and what you're bringing in just as you're doing for them. And so that's such a powerful thing to know that that's happening. Mm -hmm. So you can notice it, shift and say, is that something I want to follow and pursue? Or is that something that I want to actually validate? Or do I want to leave that behind? And as a counselor, you're constantly needing to do that, not just with body size, you know, with all these different identifiers that we have. So it's actually a, a beautiful skill to be able to explore this facet of your work and use that as a, as a lever in your practice. Yes, I, I couldn't agree more. And like you said, just the power of listening and asking them how something makes them feel. You know, if you have a client sitting in the room and they do make a comment about you not having an experience or um, not sharing a certain aesthetic and therefore our lived experiences mm-hmm. are very different really having a conversation about that and and using that to explain why you're so passionate about doing this work Mm -hmm. because it would be amazing to live in a world where our lived experiences didn't have to be so different Mm -hmm. just because of yeah in that situation it's really not about us right and that's where I think supervision is is really helpful or having mentors or colleagues where you can say like that was really hard for me. Um, I went to the WIN symposium where we actually met up at the, um, the yes. night before, Jess. I was so happy to meet you in person. Um, and the next day, we were sort of talking about then privilege and how you know straight-sized women can be working with women in bigger bodies to, to, to how to explore that dynamic as a counselor. And for those of you you guys listening, if you don't follow RD Real Talk or are not part of WIND, I would highly recommend... Uh, finding her Facebook. There's a great community there that you can learn from. Yes. Um, yes. And when is weight inclusive nutrition and dietetics for anyone yes. who is new to the term, it is um, an absolutely incredibly helpful. Space. I didn't get to go to the, the day long conference. I only went to the night opening before and I I'm so jealous. I'm definitely putting <laughs> they, it, they, it will happen again. Um, so definitely. Yes recommend that as a space because you're, you will learn a lot and, and it's a good place to explore some of these things. Um, and and it's a safe space, mm-hmm. I would imagine, you know, I, I, I want the dietitians out there to feel comfortable admitting when they feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you don't know how to navigate a client situation, that is what supervision or having a mentor or you know, having someone who's on your team, who's not going to judge you and is going to help meet you where you are so that you can right, grow. Right. That's, that's key, right? So there's the space for that client where you're taking care of them. And that's where, you know, you may orient a thin privilege differently than when you're in a, a supervision space where that's really to make, take care of you. And I think that's an important thing to remember. It, when you are in a client session, you may not be able to attend to your needs right exactly in that moment. Mm-hmm. Other than to notice this is making me feel uncomfortable, right? So you may need to just say, okay, there's this flaggy something going on here that's making me feel some kind of way. And I don't know what to do with that just yet. With the client, you're yes. not unpacking that, right? With 
with them, you're, you're realigning how they feel. And at the win conference, I had told a story to the group about a client I had who signed up for my program was so eager to begin, um, really inspired um, by my messages. And she really wanted to create a healthy relationship with food for her daughter, who was about 18 months. And about three sessions in, she started kind of getting tense with me. And, you know, she kept kind of saying, well, what do you know? You don't understand. And, and I was working with her through that and saying, yeah, you're right. I don't, you know, tell me a little bit about what that's like and, and trying to support her. And ultimately she said, you know what? I was bullied terribly as a child. Seeing you makes me think of those experiences. And I don't think that this is going to work out because I really want to talk to someone who knows what it feels like, not just academically, they know what it feels like. And I'll be honest, that hurt me. It hurt a lot because I work really hard for my clients and I cared very much for this client. But you know what? It was such an amazing conversation. And I was able to say to her, like, I get that. And here's a list of providers I would recommend. And I wish you luck. And knowing that that was probably a pretty therapeutic experience for her to have someone who looks like me allow her to make choices, not police her body, not tell her what, mm-hmm. what she should do. So, you know, if you can really have perspective and say, look, my privilege can be used for good. I have it. And therefore I can dismantle it by allowing her to have her body autonomy in the way she chooses it's pretty powerful. And that's something that I, I do not regret that experience at all. That's incredible. And I, I think that that's such a powerful example of how we can feel like, you know, you can look at that experience and say, I failed this client, I didn't help them, I wasn't able to be there for them the way they needed me. But you looked at it and said, you know what, I gave this client an opportunity to take ownership of her life and to take the backseat and to show her that she is right and can be right. And we both get to grow Mm -hmm. from that. And that's, that's a beautiful Mm -hmm. thing that sometimes when we feel like we haven't held up our end of the bargain, we actually have just in a very different way from what we could have predicted. It's so true. And that's, that's sometimes I think when you're early in your career, you, you, you aren't as skilled as a counselor, right? So you're, you're following frameworks in a very rigid way, right? At first, I'm going to say this, I'm going to agenda set, and then I'm going to assess, and then diagnose, and then intervene. And then you know, we're going we're to go through the acronym. And in the beginning, that's a very supportive thing. Um, but you quickly learn that rarely do sessions happen in a linear fashion. Rarely are they complete. Rarely are you know, the things you thought would be great to talk about, the things that they're ready to talk about. And this is just another aspect of that. And if we can think about this as, you know, like someone's willingness to talk about, I don't know, (laughs) exercise, their readiness for exercise or for movement, Mm -hmm. their readiness to address body image, their readiness to address thin privilege and the dynamics of that. It's just another item that you know how to do this. So if you can see it like any other... um, you know, behavior or attitude that you're trying to counsel towards, it's not so scary. You know, it's, it's just a thing and you can do it. Yeah. And, and just remembering that when in doubt, listen to them and let them tell their story. And you, you don't have to come up with all the answers because more often than not, they come up with them themselves. They just need a little bit of 
guidance and the occasional question um, to kind of explore and unpack. Like all clients do. It's exactly the same approach. Of course. And are there any kind of guidelines that you found? I, I almost hesitate to use the word guideline, but things that being a straight sized dietitian aiming to support women in bigger bodies, are there things that you feel like we need to avoid completely? Are there things that we absolutely want to do? Um, any any kind of like quote unquote do's and mm-hmm. don'ts? You know, there's, depending on who, I'm thinking kind of from my lens, being you know, an entrepreneur, having a private practice, I approach that question thinking of my ideal client and who I'm trying to attract and who I'm going to work with and what she feels comfortable with. You know, there are certainly maybe people out there who believe there are best practices around this work, but I want you to always be thinking about the person in front of you. And so, you know, for my clients, I am working with people who maybe don't want to identify yet as someone in a bigger body, right? So they have been pursuing weight loss for a lot of their life. Um, and so essentially I approach it just like I would any other client where I say, what are your goals? You know, where, where do you wanna go in this journey? I offer them the framework of intuitive eating and point them in the direction of how that might apply in their life. And when I see a difference, you know, of experience between me and them, I might point that out. So I might explicitly state, this may be more challenging for you, because of the way people in bigger bodies are perceived. What do you make of that, right? So if I can detect a difference for this person before they will, I may try to open up the door and ask them, what is it like for you? Here's what it might be like for someone else. And that often just gets the conversation started. I'll tell you a lot of times when clients are choosing to work with you, it isn't Instagram. Okay. This is your client is choosing to work with you. They already probably like you in some way or another. They probably trust you in some way or another. You know, you may have done that work either because you recruited them through your marketing or because you've met them several times where you're practicing. And so long as you remain respectful and you get consent on what topics they're ready to talk about or not, it never really feels like battle. And I think that's maybe the the lost in translation piece that I found is before I did this work, I thought I was going to have to prove myself to women and say, trust me, I know what I'm, I, you can, it doesn't feel like that. If you treat people with respect, it's it's a just, (laughs) I think that sometimes Instagram can make things feel different than they are when you have someone who's chosen to work with you and you know, you, you respect them as much as they respect you. Yes. Yes. That's absolutely so important. And what you said kind of reminds me of the conversation that I have with clients in bigger bodies who um, have experiences with their doctors who are pushing weight loss on them and commenting on their body size, commenting, making assumptions about what they must be eating and what their movement must look like because of a number on a scale. And we have conversations about how, well, what if you ask that doctor if anyone in a smaller mm-hmm. body experiences these Correct. health concerns? And the, the answer is yes, um, across the board unequivocally. And so then what do you do mm-hmm. for them? 
how do you support them? And what if we started there? And it's similar to what you were saying and that, you know, you're, you might be quote unquote on a mission, really trying to live out your, your values of supporting women in bigger bodies because they face such stigma and judgment in our society. But ultimately you're supporting. A just want some relief. Like, you know, she, I, I mean, really yeah. this, I, I, it's hard because there's a, it's like a, there's a macrocosm, right? Like there's all this stuff going on culturally above you and your client, right? So you mm -hmm. aren't aiming to fix that part in a counseling session, right? In a counseling session, me nor this client is not going to dismantle internalized fat phobia, systemic fat phobia is not going to happen, okay? <laughs> Hate to break yeah. it to us all. What can happen is that two people can connect and create a therapeutic alliance and help one another start to question and create a new reality that maybe little by little, we start interacting with our friends and our family and they start interacting differently with their friends and family. This is a grassroots operation. And so, you know, and there are people who are taking it from the top down as there should be, right? There should be uh, protected rights for people in larger bodies. There should be, um, you know, more regulation around how research is conducted for, you know, BMI and all these different things. Absolutely. If you are a counselor, that's not your job in that context. <laughs> your job is, is to I, be yes. therapeutically aligned with your client. And so really being clear and distinguishing that before you step in the room, she doesn't want to come with you on a journey to go, you know, tear down <laughs> the system. <laughs> You may inspire her on that journey, but you are not taking her on that journey. You're taking her on a journey in her relationship with her food so she can get relief, have a better relationship with her husband, connect with her kids, put on clothes without thinking about it for 45 minutes before she leaves the door. You know, yeah. that's what we're working on. And so you got to remember how the system interacts with her and help her really problem solve through that because she's going to face it, but you don't have to fix the system. Of course. Of course. And it, I'm so glad that you mentioned that because something that Evelyn Trivoli said in the podcast episode two weeks ago at this point, um, when this goes out, um, she was talking about how intuitive eating is a fantastic way to heal mm -hmm. the individual. And then the social justice piece is done sometimes by other people. It's not necessarily the job of the intuitive eating counselor to take down the system. It's to help with individual healing so that people can go on to choose to Correct. fight for more systemic liberation if that's something yes. that they want to do. And, and I think that that takes a lot of weight off of the intuitive eating counselor's shoulders where there are some dietitians that are feeling so pressured to help with individual healing and also talk about all of these social injustices and inequities. And that's not necessarily a problem to talk about it, but that's not necessarily what your client yeah. needs the most. The question is, how did that impact you? Right? So how did, when you see that in the world, how does that impact you? And as a coach, how do I support you in removing that as a roadblock? You know, is it is sometimes we can use shifts in beliefs and self-talk and mindset and sometimes we can't, right? We can't mindset ourselves yep. away from the pain of that. So 
that I think is just such an important awareness, but yeah, you're not, you're not taking on everything in that counseling room. You're, you're supporting this person from A to B and they're going to tell you what B is. <laughs> so you, you'll know exactly where you need to go. Yeah, I want to mention so one true. thing though, that's um, coming yeah. up, which is what if you say the wrong thing? I think you mentioned that before. And I think yes. I never really feel that with my clients um, because I think in counseling, that's actually, um, it's not a, a, quote, a good thing, but if you say the wrong thing, that often can help you to feel around where you're supposed to be going with the client. So, you know, you can see body language, you can hear a shift in tone, you might say, how did that make you feel when I say, you know, you can kind of work around that in an individual setting. So it didn't actually frighten me as much to quote, say the wrong thing in a one-to-one session. Mm-hmm. What scared the bejesus out of me was on Instagram because I was felt like I was putting myself out there. I can't tell you I would spend so much time trying to craft the perfect message for that. I will rarely do I get messages saying you said things the wrong way. Um, usually I get messages like, have you considered it this way? Um, sometimes I get messages that are from people who really... Are, are working through some things and I can ignore those. And this is my thin privilege <laughs> because I am able to go out and say some messages that many perceive as radical and get a lot less pushback than someone who is in a bigger body. And so one, don't be afraid of it. If someone gives you feedback, you can listen to it. Maybe you want to know that. Maybe you want to incorporate that into your next message. So you're not, you know, pushing your your message in the way opposite that you hoped for and two, know that this is easier for you to say that you're being a good ally by putting yourself out there because someone else can't say that with the same degree of safety so that was very aligned for me and the once I started putting the message out there and seeing okay the quote worst thing that's going to happen I can handle that I can live with that it got easier and easier and I got more masterful Mm -hmm. with it And there's still hard days, but that's where community comes in, where you can lean on your colleagues to say, okay, this is hard. I don't really know what to do with this. (laughs) So, Of course, exactly. And that's Mm -hmm. where the support comes from. You know, as counselors, when we're taking on the emotions and past trauma in a lot of situations of our clients, and we have to remain neutral and stable on their part we need a place to be able to mm-hmm. kind of shed that and to process it and to process right. what it brings up in ourselves as well. It's okay. It's, it's really okay not to be an expert at this. You know, I'm not, I am not an expert at this. I'm specialized in it. I am not an expert mm-hmm. at dealing in, with all of the, you know, the fat phobia and all these different things. I'm just someone who's willing mm-hmm. to experiment and grow and learn and, read like crazy and listen to podcasts and you know you've got to do a little self-study here and figure out how this fits for you and your for your practice so anyone listening I encourage you to try because it's worth it it's worth making a difference to the client that you're looking to work with it's wor- worth making a difference for other dietitians who are going to be inspired by your ability to get out there and say that message it's worth it incredible and and I think any quote-unquote expert who thinks that they're done learning in their field of specialty Mm -hmm. is no longer an expert in my book Um, you you maintain 
some level of expertise by admitting that you don't know everything and that things are evolving and that you're committing yourself to continue learning. And that's all we can ever do in any facet of nutrition and counseling work, anytime we're working with other humans. So I think putting yourself out there is, is important and listening to the feedback you get and, and having someone who can help you process, you know, was this a point that you want to consider or is this someone projecting or playing out something for themselves that maybe you don't need to take mm -hmm. as serious I don't want to say as seriously it's not the yeah well that's learning right really you either you either integrate it or you set it aside you get two choices <laughs> so, so you get to decide <laughs> you know and I think that being someone who's willing to ask that question it's powerful it's good stuff absolutely so to anyone listening don't be afraid to put yourself out there and be an ally. And the one last question that I want to ask, um, because it's one of the sticking points that I hear from dietitians is, is it okay? How do we show our face? Is it appropriate to show our face? Um, because I think that with all of their, especially with social media, our business guided advice is you have to show your face in order to be liked. And then you also get individuals who will say that, this space isn't for individuals in smaller bodies. So how do I get my message out there um, and get people to know me and be myself mm -hmm. while also respecting the fact that I want to leave space for mm -hmm. individuals yep. in more marginalized bodies? It's a really good one. There's a tension there, right? Between the need to build no like trust if you're building a brand online and also, you know, it's okay to want to own your work. You know, I, I don't think that that's a wrong desire to want to put your face and put your name on something you're proud of. That's a normal thing, right? So there's that, that, that piece there. And then there's the criticism that, you know, a lot of intuitive eating providers, even dietitians as a, as a group, tend to follow toward the thin ideal. And so I don't know the answer to that, but I'll tell you how I approach it. One, I ask myself, why am I showing myself? So is the purpose of this to um, kind of signal health and wellness and, you know, thinking about how am I posing my body? What am I being photographed with? What types of foods? What is the message that if someone sees this, they might put against the intuitive eating model and maybe make a connection that is not supportive to their journey? So that's one thing I might think about. Mm -hmm. As a practice, I haven't used full body images on my page. I am trying to work with a woman in a bigger body, and I don't want that to be part of her getting to know me. I want her to get to know me. So I'll, I'll do one type of photo of myself. It's with a doodle pad, and it covers my body. <laughs> yep. So that's just my choice. I don't, <laughs> I don't think that it would be wrong to feature your body if you're considering your ideal client. What is most helpful for her and her journey when she gets to your seat? What do you want? What messages do you want her to have in her mind already? And is why is your body part of those messages? So there's no right or wrong answer, but you should have an answer of why your body's part of the yeah. messaging for her. Yes, I think that's so important. And that goes back to everything is that there isn't with intuitive eating and health at every size a lot of concrete right or wrong good or bad mm -hmm. it's all nuanced and based on reflecting on what is your intention behind this and what do you want to be reflecting mm -hmm. and manifesting and there's one more thing too that i think is key there you can make it that sure. as you do this 
explicitly and on purpose sharing the work of other dietitians who look nothing like you. So recognizing that our colleagues, Mm -hmm. um, Diversified Dietetics is a fabulous group to follow. Our our colleagues uh, who are darker skinned, who are in bigger bodies, do have a little bit of a different signaling factor out in the world. And so if you can use your privilege to say, check out my colleague's work that I like and bring her up with you, that also helps to create equity. So I don't always want to think about how do I hide me? How do I elevate other people? How do I create a kind of a, a platform where we're all standing together rather than saying, I'll go hide in the shadows. You don't need to do that. You can be who you are. You have something to offer. And you can support other women who look nothing like you at the same time. So if that at all also helps people just getting a feel out there, what are other dietitians doing in the space? Get to know from there, learn from them. I learned so many things from other dietitians who look nothing like me on how to approach situations I've never been in. Um, So that would be the second part of that prong. Why am I putting my image in and how do I elevate the images of other women who look nothing like me? Yes. Yes, and I can say that that is personally something that I'm exploring with my page is how to elevate, how to bring light to the incredible accounts that are doing a ton of amazing work. And first of all, some of them have incredible reach and I'm so Mm -hmm. grateful for how our space is evolving, but how do I continue to highlight that and continue to encourage other dietitians to do the same? So we're all works in progress. We all just need to identify where we can improve and how we can grow and then start taking steps in that direction. Well said. (laughs) Excellent. I've absolutely adored this conversation. I really appreciate you coming on and lending your voice to this discussion because it's something that I've heard repeatedly from dietitians that they struggle with. Wonderful. So I was going to say, if anyone Go ahead. you know wants to reach out at any time, I'd love to hear from you. You can always message me on my Instagram yes. platform, no.more.guilt. Um, I don't have all the answers, and you may actively reject anything I've said here today, um, but I'd love to hear your feedback if you did listen to this episode and, and just say hi, because I love connecting with other dietitians in the space. Yes, <laughs> that was going to be my next question is, how do they find you? Um, and then you also... We do. Oh my gosh, it's so new. I forget to promote it. (laughs) So uh, dietitian colleague Delina Soto and I created a podcast called Break the Diet Cycle. And we're kind of filling out the format right now. So we are first taking on frequently asked questions for skeptics of intuitive eating, women who are kind of on the fence about it. We're trying to explore the, the different nuances. And we're slowly going to start taking um, recordings from audience members to see any kind of specific stories and and see if we can start doing some on-air feedback that way. So you can, you can grow with us as that continues, but it's called break the diet cycle. Beautiful. So if anyone out there is transitioning to intuitive eating, we're feeling skeptical about intuitive eating. It's a fantastic resource then to just keep exploring, keep asking questions and keep hearing from other dietitians, how they're using it and what their thoughts are and and start to form your own philosophy from there. Wonderful. Well, thank you again, Melissa, so much for talking with me. Um, I highly recommend to anyone out there to follow your page. You always inspire me and your compassion is (laughs) next level. So thank you.
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Empowering Dietitians podcast. If you resonated with what you heard on today's episode and enjoy the podcast overall, I would love it if you could rate the podcast and leave a review. Your feedback helps this podcast reach more dietitians who need to hear these messages. And apparently in the podcast world, ratings and reviews are actually really important. And then if you are looking for more one-on-one support in your journey as a dietitian, I want to invite you to apply to my Empowering Dietitians one-on-one supervision program, where I guide dietitians just like you to reconnect with your purpose and passion, overcome stress, anxiety, and perfectionism, and confidently start standing up for yourself and your beliefs, all so that you can truly make a bigger difference in your clients' lives and design your dream life as a dietitian. To learn more, head to www.empoweringdietitians.com supervision.